All right, we're being merged. Hey, okay. Jim, so welcome to Heart of a Campfire podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Hydro Bob, and I'm Ranger Rudy. And we're going to be talking to you about uh, some uh, different elements of our, our trilogy. Rudy and I never set out to write a trilogy. We set out to do a campfire talk. But somehow we, uh, uh, we ended up five years later, we... Five years later, we, uh, we're finally done the trilogy, three books, and we're here to talk about it on our podcast. So today's podcast, uh, we thought we'd uh, have a little jibber-jabber about the setting, the setting, the physical setting. So I'll throw it off to you. What is the, uh, what is the setting of this book, Rudy? Well, I guess you could say the setting of uh, the book is the trilogy. Um, it takes place in, in fact, many different places. It's kind of as a coming-of-age story. Um, yeah, first and foremost, of course, the swamp, South Florida. You know, the environment of South Florida during um, during a more freewheeling time. You know, South Florida was very much a frontier, um, and it's and it's almost a tribute to the people who experienced South Florida during that time, when it was in the process of kind of growing up, kind of the tail end of right. old Florida. It right. also takes place in well, well, before you uh, get Missouri. Any further, which, before you get any further, yeah, this might be an appropriate time to add that you are a native Floridan, a native Floridan from uh, the uh, mid part of the peninsula, Rockledge. Yeah, um, I am. I just I have too a, many stories about. I, um, yeah. All yeah, that, stories. Yeah, if the holy city of Rockledge, if you, if you were to go there, you'd... Uh, and, and I am not from Florida. I'm a Johnny-come-lately, as you've told me many times. And uh, although I've been here for over 20 years, um, probably the most... <laughs> The longest I've been anywhere, um, you, it's, uh, you know, uh, time, if I, I have often, you know, said I'm kind of a Yankee or a carpetbagger, um, but eventually you uh, kind of uh, signed off on my credentials. Oh, I, I, I think so. I think so because of uh, partially what, what you've done for the swamp. Just, uh, but also, I mean, it's 20 years anywhere. I mean, you've been in Florida longer than young adults have been around. So, you know, when it always, it always strikes me as a little odd when you have someone who's younger than, and I've seen this, someone who, you know, a native Floridian who's younger than someone who's been here for longer than they've been alive say something like, well, you aren't from here. You know, that, that, that can apply to anywhere. I, I think I was the same way when I lived up in Cape Cod for a while, and people wanted to know, or, are you a year-rounder? And I would say, yeah, 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 I'm a year-rounder. And another guy would say, well, he was visiting, and he kind of had spent his childhood going to the Cape from another part of Massachusetts, and he wanted everybody to know, well, he'd been coming there his whole life, and he just had to – it was almost like a, a you know, a – neurotic response what's the word uh, he had to always remind people of that to the point that it was etched in his psyche and and, and i said um 
And my, my, my view is hey, we're kind of tourists everywhere, aren't we? Oh, um, I know that that's sounds very good point. bohemian, but, uh, you know, I grew up in Maryland. I think of that as the place I'm, uh, you know, the Mooderland, so to speak, but yeah. uh, they wouldn't accept me back there. I've been exiled because, <laughs> well, I haven't been there in, in 30 years, right, or however long it's been. I've been back for trips, but uh, anyhow, that's that's important. You're a native Floridian, and uh, – uh, so the setting, here's, here's my question to you, is the setting, is the setting of the book. So it takes place in the Big Cypress Swamp, predominantly, and other places are featured in it. You start yeah. to talk about Missouri. However, is the prominent setting around the campfire or in the Big Cypress Swamp? Which one of those two kind of reigns supreme? Uh, that, that's a very, very good question. That's a very good question. Because the campfire is kind of an ongoing, an ongoing theme throughout. It's a campfire's. Uh, the campfire is a prominent. I guess you would say, what do we call it? Like a conversation piece or a. It's it's the rug that ties the room together. Every together, yeah. Everything yeah. kind of revolves like that. through that campfire, and um, so. And campfires are universal. And I was talking to someone else, an avid reader of this, uh, of this book series, and was saying that really anybody who has ever been at a campfire, that's our audience. You know, so whether you're from the east, the north, the south, or the west, or the highlands, or the lowlands, you've probably been around a campfire. And I think we yeah. conjure the spirit of camp- campfire in the Big Cypress Swamp. Um, so, yeah, that's – I don't know if there is – so you, you can say that the setting is that the setting itself is partially um, in a big in a big part of it um, around the campfire. A lot of action, a lot of the more philosophical um, right. elements of the book happen around the campfire. Being a campfire that? talk, uh, there are a couple uh, scenes in the book where you know you have a lot of people around the campfire, a lot of people. Uh, Coming to you know like a a as part of, a, of an event. There's parts of it where you know you'll have a, someone solo around a right. campfire. You'll there's have parts point. of it. And, and can we add this? I mean, I think we kind of j- jumped way ahead. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Setting's a great place to start, but the protagonist of our story is Ranger Rusty, yeah. and it's Ranger Rusty's um, journey to the campfire that kind of starts off the odyssey and he has many experiences around the campfire but ranger rusty who um early on uh spoiler alert not a spoiler alert at at all is uh was loosely i i often did writing i think of ranger rusty as myself i think of him as you as well i think it's an amalgam of us too because we're pulling from our personal experiences and places that we've been with the big caveat here that you mentioned one of those other places, Missouri. Yeah, yeah neither, uh, neither <laughs> you or I. I don't, I don't think I've, uh, I've never set foot in Missouri. I don't think you have either. You know, and when you've never been to a place, I think it gave us some artistic license. And, of course, Missouri is prominently featured in the protagonist's childhood. It's where he grew up or grew up part of the time. <clears throat> and I uh, – <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Got a fly in my throat there. Um, 
I, I, uh, whenever you're in a place where you, 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 it's kind of a foreign place, you try to make it feel like home. I remember one of, one of the sequences in the story is him going to see a baseball game, and lo and behold, who's playing? It's the Kansas City Royals versus the Baltimore Orioles. So, um, anyhow, the setting. Um, so, so setting. Setting. Uh, this book, by nature, is. I think it um, falls in the same lineage as maybe the Iliad and the Odyssey and Huckleberry Finn. Um, what are some others? Um, the Incredible Journey with the three dogs and the cat. Or the yeah, dogs yeah. And the cat. Um, it is a journey, um, and I think it returns to the Big Cypress, but it also has a more kind of larger arc. So, um, so, can, so what have we discussed kind of to rehash is, is the primary setting the Big Cypress Swamp or the campfire? I think the two interact together. Yeah. Um, it, it is a very – the swamp is also <clears> – <throat> because you have the campfire, we have to, you know, talk about it primarily, you know, that which surrounds the campfire. And right. that is the you know that is that is the swamp, and for the most part, I mean it does take place in deserts, two different deserts, the the, the, the <laughs> overseas and uh, the American uh, Southwest. Yep. Yes, yep. Yeah. And and dream sequences as well. I mean there are, there are a few uh, dream sequences, and there's also the but the swamp, um, something that you and I are familiar with. You know, being the big Cypress country or the big Cypress swamp, as it, you know. Um, and it's also the, the, the setting, the time in which it's set in, and the type of people um, that surround these campfires at different times in the book. So, so let's talk about time for a second. Yeah. Um, the main action of the book takes place in. Definitely a one-day span, and you can even say uh, one-hour span with yeah, uh, yeah from end to end before you know from uh, so from from, uh, from the Sweetwater Visitor Center to the campground to the so, uh, yeah. So there's that one small element of time, but then it's juxtaposed with deep dives into time, going back to a seminal third, the Seminole War era fort. Um, going back to an archaeological dig in the Dinosaur Bone Wars, um, going back to memories that Rusty has. So it goes back into deep time. It's contained within a very small time of just an hour or two, and then it talks about also the day. Um, and then there's also him going back into memories of his childhood, not only in Missouri, but also with his father in the swamp. So the interplay of time is really important with setting. And I think at the opening bell of this narrative, it's a little discombobulating, but another setting is a visitor center, a nature reserve visitor center. And in that, the protagonist, <laughs> Ranger Rusty, is his adventures or his kind of the chronicle of his day is broken down into time stamps that at first look disorienting, but they're a puzzle that eventually um, kind of comes together, but it serves the purpose to show that this narrative is taking a very uh, 
uh, the time and t- the sequencing of time and how we remember time uh, is just of monumental importance to the narrative. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think. Uh... Wow, that was a terrible explanation by me. Let's see what Rudy can say to maybe get this conversation back on track. Uh, yeah, time and another thing is, uh, you know, you have a character in Ranger Rusty, but you you see him mature. It also it also talks about his childhood in. I think one of the best parts of the book that I enjoy because it brought back childhood nightmares. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in some cases, but um, actually, if you think about how small your scope is when you're a child, um, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, twelve, right. thirteen, your scope gets bigger and bigger. But those, everybody has. You know, the places you think of, you don't think of them as being, you always think of them when you're a kid as being wild, whether it's a patch of woods or it's kind of like the old farm, <coughs> you know, the Rubick Creek. Rubico Creek, right. Rubico Creek, exactly. And the area around there where it's a place where, you know, Rusty's step, stepfather Dwight is, I mean, it's slated for development. It's, it's interesting that his father works in construction, his stepfather works in construction. But it is Rusty's childhood, the place where he explores, you know, the place where we all have that growing up, right. whether it's like the woods behind your house and your, say you grew up in a subdivision in, uh, like in Baltimore, did it? What was your place like that growing up? Did you yeah, have, well, I'm just we, out of curiosity. My parents moved to the suburbs and we, uh, we lived in a, uh, a subdivision that was in a farm field and behind us was this farm field where we found arrowheads and yeah. then at some point I was maybe eight years old we saw surveyor stakes go in and they built up apartments and we had to build a fence and now it's you know that beautiful yeah. view of the farm field was lost and there was a pear tree there was a pear tree that my brother would go down to and get I was too young to go but he would go and collect pears and he had some turf war with some other older kids and they were like got in a fight or something and he came back crying so it was kind of this you know and i think we i remember when we started the book we started exploring what is a big theme of the book outside of setting is fatherhood and his father and you kind of chimed in and said no that's he needs to have a stepfather and you were never so sure of something in your life you said his name needs to be Dwight. Dwight. Dwight became the archetype, construction, uh, development, progress, and um, I think that juxtaposition between his father in the wilderness down in the Big Cypress Swamp and his mysterious life. And, and what is his father, and what exactly is Henry? What? Uh, and Henry is kind of a, you never, you never quite, the reader, and I think we, where the reader never quite gets a bead. I, I think if they get a bead, I think that kind of gets hashed out. 
It does um, in a way, but does, yeah. But in the opening, in the opening narrative, it's more presented as a juxtaposition. Um, but I think that going back to setting, you're 100% right. We both had the same experience, and I think it's part of the American experience is, well, we grew up in suburbs that kind of became urbanized, more yeah. urbanized, whether it was suburbs turning into urban areas or, yeah. or kind of farm fields. And I, 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 there's, there's this real poignant um, scene where, and I remember this was some, another element, and we'll have to talk about our writing process later how, how in the hell do you co-author a book we still don't know but oh. we did it we did a trilogy but i remember there was one point where he is rusty is exploring the old farm his biking he has these biking adventures and that's how you expand your circles when you're a kid and he um he went to, uh learned that there was used to be an old town there that's now yeah. completely gone and yeah. I had it that he learned it in class. And you're like, oh, no, he didn't learn that in class. He learned that at the library. The library. <laughs> because that's, the yeah, exactly. Augustus, and you were, you were so adamant about that. And we worked that in. And it was such a, a, a brilliant little kind of. And, um, and you think about it because, because those things, you know, who are the keepers of those, those old histories? Or, I mean, you're not going to learn that in school. <laughs> you're going to learn that because I remember that growing up and they were usually older ladies who were part of like so you know the women's club or the historical society and these are the old keepers in my neck of the woods I think they call a lot of the old timers mosquito beaters and I remember going to the library, the public library in Cocoa. Rockledge didn't have a library. I don't think it does. still doesn't. But there was the old public library in downtown Cocoa. And you'd go in and you'd have either some sort of small exhibit with some old stuff. Or you'd have talks with... And I remember... I remember being... I, I was going in. I was getting some Charlie Brown books. And I remember... Wait, wait, wait was this last week? Yeah, yeah, I still read those. But the <laughs> I was getting, and I remember seeing. Uh, I wasn't interested at the time, but I remember some older ladies and some folks coming, and they were. It was a slideshow. They didn't have powerpoints back then, but they were right, right. The old, the old carousels, talking. the old carousels that you exactly. And she was talking about, I stopped for a couple of minutes, because there was something, the old Brevard Motor Hotel, which was uh, in Rockledge and in Cocoa, you had in the early 1900s, my town was founded as a resort town, kind of like Naples. You had all these old hotels in the 1920s, all of them burned down, the Brevard Motor Hotel, which was developed by uh, actually the guy who was going to marry my mom, he built condos there, but that was one of the last of those old hotels. And I said, oh, well, wow, that's a picture of that old place. You know, and everybody everybody learns about that sort of stuff. It, it's history that you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know what was there if it weren't for these people, these kind of guardians of oral history and picking up bric-a-brac of, of tidbits and recording it and interpreting it. There's also a theme. And, and remember in, in, right in, the, in the thing where the, right farmer, the farmer was dead. I, I, that was masterful, the way you came up with that, where he discovers that Augustus, some of these yeah. characters, I can't even remember, he's a German guy. And, and, well, here's, 
here's here's where I want to. You talk about the Guardians and the Guardian places that don't exist anymore, just like Shanksville. Shanksville got flooded out. Yep. Uh, but there's this incredible history. So I think that was. Um, I have a similar experience on some creeks that I grew up in, not only in Maryland but in Pennsylvania, where I. Um, went to school and um, there were old structures that were washed out but the books showed these incredible you know um, towns and industrial centers that used to be there that now have been reclaimed by nature so that's another theme of our book is that oh there's this inexorable evolution to um, you know from wilderness to urbanization but you also have these places in parks predominantly that were kind of industrial centers that were towns that have been returned to nature. So, um, so I, you know, we've, we've been going here for about 20 minutes and uh, we've only touched upon the setting. We talked about the, is it a book, the setting that takes place around the campfire or the Big Cypress um, Swamp, the South Florida Swamps, uh, and I think it is both. It is both. The, the campfire is also more of an organizational theme that spans beyond setting. But like you said, there's all scales of campfire, too. There's the campfire talk around the amphitheater of campers, very small amphitheater. And then there's the campfire. Oh, I, I think of it as kind right? of like the eternal light that never goes out. You know. And and it ties into the overarching theme of the National Park Service's oh, um, origin yeah, very, very and important. centennial. And that's kind of why we call this book the Centennial Campfire Trilogy. Trilogy. Um, but, you know, we, we're speaking not on behalf of the Park Service, but as Americans who love parks, love America, love natural areas. And we... It's not why well, I remember you and I had this conversation. We we're like, listen, buddy, I poked you in the chest. It kind of hurt. And you're like, whoa, what are you doing? I said, listen, buddy, we're not going to let this centennial pass yeah. without us doing something special that yeah. we'll remember it by. Yeah. And, uh, Hey, this is a good moment to uh, encourage all the listeners out there to maybe go out and support a local historian. Um, there's a lot of local historians out there, and I, I just think back to Charlton Thibault was our local storyteller. And I remember I had been down in Florida for, uh, it may have been five years, and I was just turning into Alligator Alley, and the local radio station said, Charlton Tippoe had died and I'll never forget it the sun was going down and it was just a moment uh, that maybe made me reflect on um, someone who really took time to uh, write things down for the local community to tap back into uh, the deep history there so uh, do yourself and the community a favor and pick up a book um, uh, on your local history and read it Going back through the settings, we talked about the, the campfire versus the big sector swamp. Let's agree, it's kind of both. Campfire yeah. is kind of an organizational theme and also plays a key role, both really, in the passage of time. Um, well, it's but, the one constant. 
if you think about it, the campfire, getting back to everybody's roots, everybody understands it. It's so basic, so basic. Almost like water. We keep having to rise out of the water and get some air. We're always returning to the campfire, and that's pivotal to the tale. We talked about Missouri, bike riding. There's a big, a lot of it takes place on the basketball court, and I think we drew heavily from your experiences in basketball. Mine, too, let me tell you, when I was in recreational basketball, I was a basketball hero. I routinely made all the big shots, and I probably would be in the NBA right now had I not decided to go into hydrology. Yeah, you so, could have uh, been. Yeah. You yeah. could have been. Uh, you could have been on. You know, like on ESPN right now. I'm only six foot tall, but I would have dominated under the boards. Yeah, and I would be boxing out Shaq. Um, you know, they'd be. Uh, it would have been amazing. Yeah. So, but besides other settings, just running them down. I mean, what are some of the cities that are featured in the book New Orleans St. Louis Baltimore there's a couple mm-hmm. things uh, Vienna um, we talk about the Big Cypress Swamp there's deep dives into portions of the Big Cypress Swamp Besides well the, the American West, the American West as a whole plays so, so the American the West, there's many different parks that are featured in the American West and just not glossed over. There's adventures in this narrative that unfold in Petrified National Forest, Petrified National, uh, Petrified Forest National Park, um, uh, some other New Mexico parks. I think even Cape Cod National Seashore is featured. Um, the, uh, there's a, there's a, a little vignette there. Um, uh, a, a giant canyon. We're not going to say which because we don't want to spoil it. Um, uh, there's a big mountain in the Spandrel Mountain, a big hiking trail in the Spandrel Mountains. Yellowstone is prominently featured in a way that we're not going to do the spoiler alert here. And uh, there's some mythical landscapes. Um, but going back to Big Cypress Swamp, there's vivid, deep dives of the protagonists and others on an airboat, on a swamp buggy, riding yeah. in his father's butterscotch jeep. Going into a cypress dome where there's giant alligators um, in a motorboat, in a motorboat out on the coastal islands. So I think um, going into a deep, remote backcountry camp um, in the middle of, you know, where there's road, the closest road is, you know, um, over 10 miles away. So, uh, but, but other, 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 um, so. Suffice it to say, it is a story that takes place around a campfire, but its setting is. Uh, well, it has, you could say it has many different settings. It's not. It's not a monolith, and it's it's a. It's more of a mosaic, and the, the protagonist moves from one setting to another. You also have. Uh, Settings that are fluid through time, especially with, with the, the not only with the history of Florida, but also the Bone Wars, also the uh, in the American West, also the setting of you know the, the fictional you know or not the fictional the the, the, the Battle of Boulder Ridge. Right. I, a, I think that was actually. In, I think I can almost say that while our you know, the swamp, the setting in Florida was a kind of a, a 
highlighting of that period and almost a hats off yeah. to the time where, you know, right. the swamp was a more freewheeling place. I think Boulder Ridge, more than any place else, more than the, the, the uh, park unit you know, where Rusty works at, is kind of the hats off and tribute to the park service. And we, we do kind of parody and pillory some of the... Some it's, of the, a, it's a uh, place of catharsis too for for the protagonist that is uh i think we really hit a chord there oh he's um, really at his low point i i'm going back to this a little bit of the writing process i remember you know you and i we did a campfire talk and we had some chemistry and we could be super honest with each other and we just kind of started seeing how this had some potential and i remember but you know we have different styles, and uh, you know you're a you're a six foot um, seven uh, foot Sasquatch, and uh, and I'm you know more of the uh, you know uh, well tailored well tailored uh, how, how shall you say? Although you look when you have that perfect hair day, you just you nail it. Yeah, you nail yeah, it. yeah, yeah. My, my, my flowing crimson locks. Yeah. My, 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 I just remember, and you, we, we came, if I came from, you, you would come out, you'd say, well, I've written some stuff, and I remember you hand-wrote stuff, I still have the hand-wrote notes, we'll have to put it up on the website, um, and I started reading this, and I said, wow, I really like that, I like the pacing, it was the um, journals of Colonel Stanley Cow, but I said, Rudy, where in the hell does this fit in the narrative, and uh, you were, I don't know, you were kind of in a... You were in one of your Rudy moments, yeah. and you're like, I don't, you know. And then we started, and I was like, okay, let's. Uh, oh yeah, we'll, like we'll you really built the railroad. You really built the framework on which to hang and embed different. And I knew you could make it work. I knew you could figure a way. It. We did kind of get bogged down with that segment eventually because we didn't know how to end it. It was almost like we were kind of like fighting the Seminole War ourselves, kind of no conclusion. I think, I think we gave it arc, but it was ultimately like the writing process. Appetite comes while eating. I think we kind of went with where the story took us. It wasn't where we necessarily on that, the, the, the um, one, the um, journal entries of Colonel Stanley Powell back from the Seminole War era and his adventures out west, I think it ends up paralleling many ways with Rudy's experiences out west. Um, you know, so, but yeah, it's, uh, anyhow, the setting, it goes into deep space and time, and it stays very much in the present of the campfire. Um, and it is, um, it's, it's just a simple, simple story. We could have, you know, if we had a really good wordsmith, put it, distilled it into a haiku. Um, but instead, we have yeah. over, you know, a thousand pages, and I think three really good books. And I'm getting some positive feedback yeah. from uh, some of the yeah. beta readers. Oh, I told readers. you we had a well. Our readership. Um, I would encounter our readership. I can. There, there are three people who came. Well, I told you about the woman who came, but I thought you had sent her just to kind of give me a ribbing, but. She was looking for the Sweetwater Visitor Center. Did I tell you about that? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I've heard this one. No, I told you about that visit. I know I must have oh, told yeah, you about yeah, it. I, I was remember, pretty excited right. about it. Right. There was a woman came in, and she said, Hi, I'm looking for the Sweetwater Visitor Center. 
And, and for the listener, if there's a listener out there to frame this out, Rudy yeah. was working at the Big Cypress Swamp at yes. the Visitor Center yeah. in yeah, the middle between Miami and Naples. So he was kind of man in the booth there, and somebody knocked on the door, and uh, I had a copy of the book and wanted to know where the where the Visitor Center that we featured in the book was located, and uh, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, and and the, the, she came in, and she looked... Um, you know, she's wearing a hat and a jacket, attractive lady, and she said, I'm looking for the Sweetwater Visitor Center. She said it just like that. Hey, I'm, I'm looking for the Sweetwater Visitor Center. First thing I thought, well, this has got to be one of Bob's, you know, hydro buddies from somewhere. I would, from I would somewhere. never anything like that. I, no. I put my hand on a dictionary. Yeah. I swear. <laughs> on a Webster. But Webster. That, that's... But that's what I thought, she said, and I, I explained it. Well, there's a Sweetwater Strand, but there's no Sweetwater Visitor Center. And I said, where are you getting a Sweetwater Visitor? And she had the book with her. And she said, well, I was reading. I thought there were, I said, well, you know, I did explain that the, the Visitor Center I was, we were in at the time was a, was, you know, that's what Sweetwater was based upon. And, go, go ahead. And she talked about, you know, the, I said, she said she was really enjoying, but she had come from out of state, and she said she was just looking for literature about the Big Cypress, and she just, she said she happened upon our book, and we, and, uh, and she was enjoying it, and she said she, it was a pleasure to meet me, and, and, uh, she didn't ask me to sign the book. Right. Which well, was, it was Legend of Campfire, it was Legend of Campfire Charlie, I did mention right. that there was... That I don't know if I think yeah, Boulder Ridge was was not yet published, right. but she enjoyed it. Yeah, the book is last in Boulder Ridge, and now the final book. So each one took first in 2016, second in 2018, and final campfire in 2020. Yeah. Hey, I think I, this is a great segue to again a, a little bit of a spoiler, not a spoiler alert. Is the campground where Ranger Rusty speaks to the audience is yes. the Mile Bend. Yes. Which, doesn't exist anymore. So there is no Sweetwater Visitor Center, and there is no 50-mile campground. It was scraped back down to wetland because it was at a dangerous crook in the road that they decided to move the campground somewhere else where you didn't have these big semi-tractor um, trailers of oranges and, and Petro and uh, uh, ornamental uh, nursery, uh, you know, tropical... Uh, palm trees, etc. goods going back and forth uh, at high speed with RVs next, mixed in and with motorcycle, what do you call it, uh, a flock of motorcycles? It's a, uh, not a flock, a herd of motorcycles? I think it's a, you know, that, that's, that's a good point. I don't know what they call them. So it's, it's the most dangerous, it's the most scenic. Tammy Ammon Trail. We'll, we'll do our next spot on Tammy Ammon Trail. How's that? We'll, I uh, think so. Yeah, we have to yeah, talk. We definitely have so to get prompt to the trail. And we could go. So we, we kind of talked about a bunch of the different settings and the main setting. But we could. Uh, the Tammy Ammon Trail uh, there, uh, is worthy of conversation in itself. And uh, so suffice it to say, this book, the protagonist, Ranger Rusty, sets out to do a campfire talk at. 50-mile camp, camp, campground um, after having a very long day at the Sweetwater Swamp. And yeah. then the story explodes and digresses and diverges 
goes to great heights and great lows, spans the globe, and uh, explores so many different themes. So this podcast, I think what we have here, Rudy, is a straight cut. I think this yeah. is not going to require any editing, assuming I can get the audio out of, of the uh, yeah. device. Um, so but what are, what were some of the next pods we'll talk about? I think we could either talk about... Well, we'll think about that, but I think there's so many yeah. topics we can dive in. Maybe we'll talk about Ranger Rusty. Maybe we'll talk about Ranger Rusty. I think Maybe I think we'll... we could. Yeah, I think that'd be a good thing that we could talk about. Uh, we could talk about Ranger Rusty and talk about because you know he is the he is the central character. We'll talk about other names that we had for Ranger Rusty and how we originally developed him as a character. As a character, because he was quite he was quite different. He was quite different at first. Yeah, I think and. and it all goes back to the origin story of this book is you and I inadvertently meeting at a campfire and then deciding to do a campfire talk, yeah. half-hour campfire talk. And uh, that's, uh, that is with – so the book kind of cheered off of that, but they're kind of completely separate uh, yeah. you know, yeah. works. But uh, the first – help influence the second and so forth so i think uh and i think it's important to talk about because i think you and i still have to figure it out um yeah yeah and, uh, I, I and it's uh so so wrapping up setting i think we captured a lot with setting um and I don't, I don't think we touched on everything but i think we touched on enough that it's starting to kind of get the juices flowing again after doing a trilogy of books yeah kind of uh you know have to kind of tickle the brain to think about, about to how they all interconnect. Well, and, the process, why, and the, the process, and so and we can talk more about the process of how we did it. I mean, the process was uh, that's another topic. Branding, <laughs> I mean, you really built the rail. As I said, you really built the railroad, but a lot of it was this conversations back and forth, chemistry. It was a conversation around the campfire. So that's, yeah. that's another topic to talk about, and, and the writing process, and how our uh, know like any any partnership uh we uh we came together we got it done and we were helping to get it done um <coughs> dolls too and it was interesting to see how those interacted um, yeah. we always stuck with it and we got it got it done yeah hey, this is this is a good good uh i think we have a good pot here i i, I don't know yeah. assuming i can grab the audio i i'm just going to upload it uh yeah we're at almost we're at almost we're at 36 minutes so, so what's our what's our um sound off like uh what's our catchphrase last time i did rule of the ninja never doubt never fear never second never overthink never overthink you taught me that one um, our catchphrase i don't know it's a sign off it's like well you know uh you know check out our book if you have time and we'll see you later around the campfire tip, tip of the hat from campfire charlie yeah All right. we'll be seeing y'all All right, All right, we see you take care everybody stay safe Bye. Bye.